The beloved son is the theme that connects these three readings. First, our story of the sacrifice of Isaac. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his only beloved son. And on Mount Tabor, the father identifies Jesus as his beloved son. In our second reading, we see that Abraham is not the one who actually ended up offering his son, but rather God the Father offered his son for our behalf. St. Paul says to the Romans, if God handed over his son for our sake, won't he give us everything else besides? Now, there's a little misconception I want to clear up about the sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, Oftentimes, it can maybe be portrayed in art, Isaac as like a little cute boy, and Abraham, you know, with his knife ready to plunge it into, into Isaac's heart. But actually, if you read the story carefully, you realize that Isaac was a strapping young man. For he carries the wood, which is going to be used, right, to have a fire to, to burn the sacrifice. He carries it up the mountain, right? And Abraham is an old man. So actually, Isaac is a willing participant in what God is asking, just as Jesus, right, is a willing sacrifice. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down. And interestingly, right, what do they both do? They both carry wood. Now we have the story of the transfiguration, which happened on Mount Tabor. Um, This dazzling light, this white. We have the witness of Moses and Elijah, Two historical persons who also represent the entire Old Testament. Moses representing the law, the Torah, the first five books, and Elijah representing the prophets. We have Peter reacting to this. He says, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. And Mark comments that Peter hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Why? Because they were aware they were in the presence of the all-holy God. Now the Hebrew word for the dwelling or settling of the divine presence is Shekinah. And in the Old Testament, the divine presence, often in the form of an illuminated cloud, would settle upon the Ark of the Covenant. Now that was a gold-covered box which contained the tablets of the commandments, it contained manna from the desert, and it contained the staff of the priest Aaron. And before this ark was put in Solomon's temple, the ark was carried with the Israelites in their journeys, and it resided in a tent. And so what does Peter want to do? He says, Lord, let us build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Another name of tent is tabernacle. And what do we call the place where we reserve the blessed sacrament? The tabernacle, right? That round, circular, uh, shiny golden box beneath the feet of Jesus is where we reserve the blessed sacrament. Now, Jesus is truly present under the appearance of bread and wine after these elements are consecrated by a priest at the Mass. And during the Mass, we participate with Christ in His offering of Himself to the Father. Uh, Before we receive Jesus in communion, the priest holds up the body and blood of Christ and says, Behold the Lamb of God 
and we are invited to adore Christ. I want to talk a little bit about the practice of Eucharistic adoration, this practice of praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Now, consecrated hosts are reserved in the tabernacle for two reasons. Uh, One is so we can bring communion to the sick, but the second is so that we can come to the church and pray in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord. And I know some of you do do that. Um, When we come into a church, one of the ways we acknowledge the Lord's presence is what do we do? We genuflect. So, right knee touching the ground towards the tabernacle, right? That's how we should enter the church or before you enter your pew. Now, there are times, though, when we display the consecrated host in something called a monstrance. And a monstrance is a sacred vessel. Often it has elements of cruciform, but also of kind of a radiating sun. And there's glass in the middle so that you can see the blessed sacrament, right? This is a special time of prayer. Again, sometimes we call it Eucharistic adoration or adoration of the blessed sacrament. Uh, It begins with something called exposition. That's when the host is taken from the tabernacle, put into the monstrance, and displayed here on the altar. It concludes with what is called the rite of benediction. And benediction simply means blessing because the priest or deacon will take the monstrance with the Eucharist and make the sign of the cross in blessing over those there present. Uh, Incense is used. Songs of praise are sung. I want to encourage you all to participate here at the church when we have Eucharistic adoration. We have every Tuesday and Thursday from 3 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., right? We have our Lord on the altar in the monstrance. Uh, We have First Fridays from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we have that rite of benediction on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6.20 and on First Fridays at 4.45. And if you look in your, um, the white booklets that you'll see that you use for music here, near the back are the prayers that you need to know for the songs to sing and the prayers to say when you participate in the rite of benediction. Every Catholic I know who has a deep prayer life spends time each week praying in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. For many years, my parents would pray for two hours a week at their parish's adoration chapel. And guess when when they would pray? It was the same time every week. From midnight to 2 a.m. on Monday morning. You heard that right. (laughs) From midnight to 2 a.m. on Monday morning because at their parish they had something called perpetual adoration. So people would sign up to be in prayer 24-7. And I know that that prayer that they had with the Eucharistic Lord resulted in many good spiritual fruits for my parents and for my entire family. I first experienced Eucharistic adoration and benediction when I was in college, and that was the first time I really appreciated the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I would spend some time in prayer in the chapel, And Jesus slowly revealed to me more about who he is and who I was and his plan for my life. It was there in adoration that I learned to listen more deeply to Jesus 
Right? The voice of the Father is heard on Mount Tabor. Right? This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Right? Adoration is a great way to learn to listen to Jesus speaking to our heart and personally. Now the word adoration specifically refers to humbly acknowledging the greatness of our Creator and Redeemer. It's a bit like if you go out into the desert where there's no light pollution at night and you look into the night sky and you see it full of stars. Your exclamation in the presence of such beauty is what? Wow. Huh? Right? That's, that's the basic attitude of adoration. It is Peter saying in the Gospel, uh, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. He really, again, he's fumbling for words. That's all he can get out. And this is the first attitude of true prayer. But there are other important themes in prayer, including thanksgiving, repentance, intercession, and petition. We should express all these themes when we go to pray. And if you're wondering about coming and spending time in prayer and you find it difficult, you can bring a spiritual reading or you can bring the Bible and read some passages as well. There's no one correct way to do Eucharistic adoration. But over time, over time, we learn to simply enjoy the presence of the Lord. Uh, St. John Vianney, the great parish priest in ours, France, would see a farmer go to the church every morning and spend significant time there before he went out to work. So finally he stopped the farmer as the farmer was leaving the church and he asked him, what do you say to God in prayer when you're in the church? And the farmer said, I don't say anything. I look at the good God, and he looks at me. In the last years of my father's life, he wasn't as talkative as he was when he was younger. And sometimes I'd be driving in places, and we would talk for a couple minutes, and then we would just be silent. We wouldn't turn on the radio. We would just be silent with each other in the car. And that silence was full. That silence was full of love. And even thinking about it sometimes brings me to tears. On the website, we have a sign-up for parishioners to commit to 30 minutes of prayer during the time that the Eucharist is exposed on our altar. It's very important that when we have exposition of the Blessed Sacrament that uh, the church have someone praying, at least a few people praying during that time. So I would like all of you to consider signing up for 30 minutes of prayer sometime in the month of March. Uh, that's when the sign-up begins. And if you can't access it online, we do have um, a, a written sheet which you could sign up for. And uh, that will happen every month now. The weekend before the month begins, there will be a written sheet, but also there will be an online sign-up. And if you can't come when we have exposition, that Tuesdays and Thursdays and First Fridays, I encourage you to come at another time. Even though the, the monstrance won't be out, Jesus is still in the tabernacle. The church is open every day from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to pray with him on Mount Tabor. He did it again. Do you remember? The night before he died, he invited them into the Garden of Gethsemane. And what a contrast, right? We have the ecstasy of the transfiguration and the agony of Gethsemane. But in both, Jesus is inviting them to pray with Him. to be They're part of His intimate circle, right? Well, Jesus invites you to do the same. Huh? 
He invites you to spend time with Him in prayer. And I hope you accept that invitation and that you can say with Peter, Lord, it is good that we are here.